Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Thrive Church this morning, how's everyone doing? Awesome. Good to have you guys with us today. Um, we are in a series called Where Are They Now? As you just saw the video, so you don't freak out when you hear 80s music flock of seagulls running through this church. You're like, what has happened? These folks have gone crazy. We're in a series called Where Are They Now? If you're a first-time guest with us and you um, have made it this far, um, you can uh, turn in your guest card at the blue basket beside the TV at the Welcome Center and you first come in. We'd love to stay in touch with you. And uh, just let you guys know something really important going on is that tonight, if you're a member, uh, we call partners here of the church, and you've been through 301, and you've done all that that stuff. We haven't actually had a gathering tonight we call Dream Team 401. Um, I meet with all of our uh, partners um, at least four times a year, and we go through where we've been, where we're going, and then I share leadership development and what God is doing in the church. So tonight at 6, I promise to get you out by 7 for you guys that are watching the games. Um, I will be watching them too. Yes, I am that unholy. Don't look at me like that. Some of y'all ladies know you don't miss your show. If it wasn't for On Demand, you would, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So tonight um, at 6 p.m., uh, three, uh, 401 gathering for all of our partners tonight. And then also, let me just say this too. Um, our community group signups are kicking off. Um, sign up for a small group. Um, if you, and I say this at Thrive a lot, and I know Pastor Keith's going to come behind me and say all this at the end, but I just want to give you my endorsement that if you want the most out of your time at Thrive, find a small group. Get plugged in on a serving team. Those who last the longest and enjoy it the most, do that. And those small groups are set up. We have them all throughout the week. Um, check over there. Keith can give you all the details. I don't know a whole lot. I just know that we have small groups going on. I'm in a small group of pastors and I love it. Just let you know that. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Proverbs 18 this morning. Proverbs 18 verse 19. 18 verse 19. John Bevere said this in his book, The Bait of Satan, about offense. He says that when we get offended, we build walls around our life where love can't go out and love can't go in. And so many times people who are offended would rather justify their behavior rather than repent of the unforgiveness that offense breeds in our lives. And today what I'm going to speak to you about is the topic of offense. And we're going to look at the life of Judas. And I want you to look at Proverbs 18, 19 to kick this off. One of my favorite verses of scripture. It says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. If you've been through a fence or been offended or or have seen someone do that, you can say amen to that, right? Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for a beautiful day to come worship you, God. We thank you for your great love toward us, God, that draws us, that pulls us. Lord, we thank you for your spirit living in us, God. I'm just overwhelmed by the power of your presence, Lord, in this place today. I ask, Lord, that you would help us be open to listen to your word. God, for our hearts to be shaped by the word of the living God. So, Lord, right now, we submit our minds to you. We submit our hearts to you to listen, to learn, and to grow. 
grow from the Word of God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This whole series has been based on the VH1 show, Where Are They Now? And uh, back in the 90s, you may have watched it, where it showed um, very popular musicians or actors that did really well in like the 60s, 70s, or 80s. But now you're like, where are they at? Um, I've shared some with you. I'm not going to share any more. I actually stole some of Pastor Keith's thunder when he's preaching um, next week about Vanilla Ice. I won't talk about him. But you all have your favorite actor or favorite band. And when you look at their lives later, it's like some of them are broke. Some of them are addicted. Some of them don't do music. Some of them aren't even alive. And it's sad when you see that, right? But so many times as believers, that's our story. We start well. we, We give our life to Christ. We get baptized. We're excited. And then you look around and say, where is, where are they now? Where's so-and-so? I haven't seen them. And the more you grow in Christ and the more mature saints, not older but mature, all right, um, would tell you that the more you grow in Christ, the more you see this happen. I mean, you see people who start like wildfire and then they don't even serve Jesus anymore or their hearts are cold. And why does this happen? I told you that only one out of three Christians, according to studies of thousands of years of studies, shows us that one out of three Christians finish well. Why does that happen? Uh, The first week, I told you that a lot like Absalom, remember the mullet? Absalom. Some of y'all didn't see the mullet. Look on Facebook. They got the picture of me with the mullet on. Um, The arrogance and pride does that to us. Um, Others like Demas last week love the world more than they love Jesus. And they just have a a strong love of the world. And today we're going to look at a man named Judas who I believe allowed offense to get in his heart. Why do they fall away? I believe offense is one of the major ones I've seen um, as a believer. And don't you look at Matthew 24 410. Um, it should be there in your talk notes. If not, I'm going to share it with you. Matthew 2410 says this. And Jesus in Matthew 24 is speaking about the Olivet Discourse. See, that's his whole teaching on the last days. What's going to happen? What's going to go on? And you have so many people that have all these last days charts and all this stuff. And in the middle of that, we miss this. Jesus says something very profound. And you can jot this scripture reference in your notes. He says, and talking about the last days, he says, and then many will be offended. Say offended. Now watch this. They will betray one another and will hate one another. And you know who he's talking about? Us Christians. So he says, even the elect should be deceived. Jesus gives us insight that in the last days, people will fall away due to this thing called offense. I like what he says. He says, many will be offended. Watch this progression. They will betray one another and they will hate one another. What is the one thing that you learned as a child of God that you don't do? It is, you, you shouldn't do what? Hate someone. Jesus said it's, it's as bad as murder. If you hate them in your hearts, it's as bad as murder. And so he shows us the progression of how hatred gets birthed in a Christian's heart. They get offended, right? Then they betray one another. What does that mean? That means when that person offends you, you will throw them under the bus. And I'll talk about that a little later. But you sell them out. You build your faction to talk about them to the people that you find. The reason you don't like what they're doing and you don't like them. And you get your team on your side, right? Team offense. And then what happens is hate is birthed. What do you mean? Just because I talked about that person. Here's where hate comes in. 
You can't look that person in the eyes and say, I love you in Christ and I've been praying for you and sincerely mean it. You couldn't share a meal with that person because there is something in there that keeps you from expressing the full love of God to them. And friends, I don't know, last time I checked, that's what we're called to do, right? To love one another. And that's how powerful that offense is. Um, John Bevere wrote a powerful book called The Bait of Satan. If you've never read that book, get it this week. I, I endorse it. And he gives the picture of this word called offense throughout the Bible. And it's the Greek word, and I'm going to give it to you because you, you, you'll see where it comes from. It's the Greek word scandalon. Do you hear a word in there? Scandalous. Scandal. Drama. People follow the drama. Somebody's always talking about them and doing scandals. Scandalon. The word offense. And the, the picture there is one of a hunter that's trying to trap an animal. So that word scandalon, if you'd have a, a picture for it, I could, if I could draw, I'd draw you a picture of a hunter trapping an animal. And here's what John Bevere says, powerful. He says, when, an, when a hunter traps an animal, he needs two things for that trap. First of all, the trap has got to be hidden. Secondly, it's got to be baited correctly. Any hunters in the house in here? Um, we should trap squirrels like that. Yes, I, we have one hunter. That, uh, you actually, you're liars because I know you hunt because you skip gatherings to go hunt. So the Lord will deal with your heart. <laughs> and I used to catch squirrels when I was younger. By We had these little wooden boxes. Anybody remember these things we built? The door was up, and it was attached to a to a to a little post inside of it. It's rectangle, and it was an apple on it, or something, some type of food. And the squirrel would go around and eat or do whatever, and the the thing would lose its weight, and it close it in there. And you go listen to see if it's in there, and that's how you trapped it. See, a fence works the same way. It, it, it works by it being hidden, and you don't even know what's going on. And then you take the bait of Satan, and you get offended. And then you find yourself in that place where you don't want to be around that person any longer. And that's what uh, keeps so many Christians in bondage. And I see so many believers sidelined. They could be so effective for the work of the Lord. But because of hurt and offense and those things, they are sidelined. Some of them are sitting at home right now, probably in nocturnal intercession. <laughs> But that's how powerful that offense is. And all that I've talked about, and this will be my last message next week, Pastor Keith will finish this uh, on, on this very topic, is the power of offense. And let me tell you something. If you are a Christian, get ready. You're going to get offended by other Christians. Oh, we love somebody to come in and just give, give a good, good prophetic word. Can I give you a good prophetic word? You're going to get offended. And the way that you respond to it will dictate whether or not we're asking 10 years from now, well, where are they? What happened to them? Oh, and the story goes. I want to look at a man this morning named Judas. And Judas was part of the original 12 apostles. He was one that held office as treasurer. The only one to hold office um, out of all the 12 apostles. I mean, Judas sat under the teachings of Jesus. Like, I know you love Thrive. And I'm so happy that you love Thrive. It blesses my heart. But could you imagine Jesus doing this? I mean, it's pretty good. If you read the Bible, you could imagine it because his teachings are in there. Um, <laughs> but could you 
you imagine sitting with Jesus around the campfire and him talking about the Old Testament, about, about those things, about God? Could you imagine seeing the healings, the withered hand coming, and seeing all the stuff that went on? Could you imagine seeing the, uh, all that happen? And in that, he still turned away from the Lord. That's why a lot of times you can't blame a church for your spiritual condition. If Judas had all that and still did it, many of us will do the same. And I believe, and this is just, and, and you can almost, and I know I'm a Bible teacher. I Man, I love the Bible. I, I break it down. You guys know I'm true. I think it's a possibility. Possibility. And bear with me. That the reason Judas betrayed Jesus is because of offense. I've got evidence. The rest of this message is evidence of why I believe so. But why would he betray Jesus if he had all the money in the money box? Why would he betray this loving man who healed people and cared for people and would go die for his sins? Why would he do that? He had money. And some scholars even believe that Judas was picking a little bit out. One for the disciples and one for Judas. And sticking it in his back pocket. Why would he do I believe offense is one of the reasons that may maybe have played a part in Judas' life. Now I'm smart enough as a Christian and a, as a preacher to know that I'm going to say possibility. <laughs> I'm not going to be presumptuous on this. But as I begin to look at this, I see something there in Judas' life that has that maybe have caused him to fall into that. One of the things that we've got to get to as believers is keep this mantra. Be hard to offend and find it easy to forgive. You ought to be the hardest person ever to offend. And that's how I am. I mean, I, you know, I have, I have a couple of good friends. I know you heard Dayton Burt preach and Brett Cooper's no good friend. And we go at it, man. And they go at it at me. Well, I mean, I think that's stupid. Why in the world would we do something like that? Yeah, well, you know, and, and they'll tell me the same thing. And we're cool. Uh, one thing about Keith Rowe, our, our, our connections pastor, we don't get offended. We're just real about it. I thought, he's like, man, I don't think it's a good idea, and I wouldn't do that if I were you. He, he tells me that. But I'm the pastor, the man in authority. No, I'm not. He's probably got a better idea than me. And, and we go through it, and we don't get offended at each other. But many believers get offended and fall away. And I believe Judas gives us some insight of what happened. And let's just look at our, our talk notes here. Why could have Judas been possibly offended? And let's look in John first. John 12, verse 3. John 12, verse 3. And the first thing to write in your talk notes is this. His ideas were not received. The first reason he could have possibly been offended, his ideas were not received. Now look at this in John 12, verse 3. It says, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. That was a store back in their day. Um, Just kidding, ladies. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Could you imagine that beautiful picture there? The house was filled with the fragrance. But, but, Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. If you read the other versions of this, in, in, in Matthew and in, in Mark and Luke, you see other versions here. Jesus puts Judas on blast. Because this lady is given a sacrificial offering. She loves Jesus and Judas is like, we 
could take that and put that in the, in the, and sold that and put it in the money, you know, bank. And we could do a lot of ministry with that. I, I, I just don't like that. I don't think that's the way it should be done. All right, very opinionated. Be careful if you're very opinionated. Because what Jesus may have to say to you may not be good. Because Jesus stands up and tells the whole crowd with Judas saying there, what she did for me is what none of you would do for me. And she was right and you're wrong. Have you ever been called out in a group like that before? It don't feel good, does it? This should be real. When you're in a circle and you're like, well, I think, feel, and believe. And then like the leader's like, yeah, well, what do you think, feel, and believe is kind of stupid. <laughs> if you've never been in, in a real Bible college or, or that stuff, that's what professors do. Because we come in with these opinions. And Judas gets called out, put on blast in front of all the disciples. Because his idea and ideologies were active, acted upon. His idea wasn't used. And it's in those times that we can also get very offended. When we think, feel, and believe something ought to be done. We have strong convictions about it. And then it doesn't get done the way that we should think it should get done. I remember being in, at Emmanuel College. And you guys remember uh, last end of last year, Jim Burgoon spoke here. And uh, Jim's a guy I mentored for years. And he was an associate in youth ministry with me. Had a great youth ministry. And what, what, and what we would do, what we had class together. And here's what he would do. He would sit down. While the, I mean, we're like, you know, studying the book of Romans or something. And you're going to take all these notes and all this stuff. And he's writing ideas about the youth ministry and what we should do. I mean, I thought, I thought he was taking some really good notes. He was in front of me. He would hand them back to me. Front and back. First thing I said was like, look, bro, I'm paying like $300 a credit hour for this class. So let's talk later. But we talked afterwards and we looked at the ideas. And he had a lot of good ideas. And I said, Jim, I said, here's the thing. Because he was growing as a leader. You've got to take discernment to know what is an idea and what is ideal. Is it the right timing? Is it the right season? And you've got to walk in that. And I said, the other thing is, once you implement one idea, you've got to stop another. So what are, you, what are we going to stop doing if we start doing all this? And, and, and I'll be saying that Jim didn't get offended. He didn't get mad. But he started filtering ideas. And then he would bring ideas later and say, I've thought through this. And here's what I think. I've looked at season and time. And he was one of the best people I've ever worked with in ministry. Because he then was able to say, Some, all my ideas aren't the best. Some of my ideologies aren't the best. And recently he planned his whole year out for his church and he went through and I asked him a question about an event. He said, well here's what we've thought through. Based on coaching and based on that we've worked through this and worked through that and here's what we're looking at for the goal and result to be in that. He has become great because he did not get offended when his ideas were not received. And let's just be real. Our ideas are very dear to us, aren't they? The way we think things should be done and, and, and creativity because I'm a very creative person. But what we've got to have is what I call a Teflon spirit. You don't let things stick to you. Some of y'all like Velcro, man. Everything sticks to you. That handshake wasn't strong enough. That hug wasn't good enough. They didn't talk long enough. Have a Teflon spirit when nothing sticks to you. Have thick skin and a soft heart so you don't let offense come in. Because here's what happens. You share the idea. You ready? The idea is not used. You get angry. You allow that to become bitterness. I know none of you ever go through this. It's just me. I'm just... Yeah. Um, it's the person next to you. You start feeling inadequate because your idea wasn't used. Then you withdraw and tell others no one cares about you and you just don't feel connected. Truth of the matter is your idea just wasn't received. And it may have been the best idea in the room. There's times I, I still think, 
after some meetings that was still the best idea. And they didn't use it and they'll pay for their consequences of not using that. But <laughs> that's just being a D personality, which I'll explain all that on Wednesday about D's and all that. Um, that's how I am. But you've got to realize Judas got put on blast in front of the whole group about something he felt strongly about, about how the money should be used and how that should be run. And you've got to be careful if you're opinionated. Well, I think and, and I feel and I believe because Judas felt that, he verbalized it, and Jesus, Pastor Jesus, shot him down in front of everybody. Now, I don't know about you, and, and maybe you're like, okay, I, I don't buy the first one. I don't believe he got offended. Okay, that's cool. But I know me personally, that hurts and, 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 and offense has come in on my ideas get shot down in front of other people in public. But Jesus did that to him. That's why many of us, I believe, couldn't be in Pastor Jesus' church because we would get our feelings hurt too much. Here's the second point this morning. Why was Judas possibly offended? Not only that his ideas weren't received, but maybe that he was not chosen. And I'll explain that, that he wasn't chosen right in your notes. Matthew 17, verse 1. Matthew 17, verse 1. It says this in Matthew 17, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them to a high mountain to be alone. Now, you've got to realize what's happening. He has 12 disciples. He calls three to come be with him. All right, you, you get a picture here. As the men watched, who were the men? The disciples. Watch this here. Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began to talk with Jesus. I mean, let's, let's just picture this. Jesus goes to a mountain and on the top of that mountain, he says, Peter, Pete, Jimmy, Johnny, come up top with me. Got something to show you. He He's in his glorified form, and then Moses and stinking Elijah show up. I know you've been in some good revivals. That's the best ever. <laughs> and they start talking to each other. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. But here's the thing. Only three of them got to see it. There was 12 that were, or nine that were sitting at the bottom of the mountain. They were like, oh man, I wonder what's happening. I don't know, but it got real bright. Is that, there's two other guys up there. What in the world? And they're probably all sitting there like, well, why didn't I get picked to go? I never get picked to go to the top of the mountain. <laughs> Duh. You know? I mean, Judas may have been offended because he's like, you know, yeah, all I do is count money. I do all the work. Only one who holds office. And these jokers... Especially loud mouth when Peter gets to go to the top of the mountain while I have to sit down here with the money box. Thanks, Jesus. That, that, I just read the Bible with imagination because these were real human beings. They weren't like, you know, uh, graduated from seminary and, 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 and so holy they never did anything wrong. It would have made me a little mad. Let's just be real. The greatest ministry experience ever, and he's got to sit down at the bottom of the mountain. Sometimes the hurt of rejection can cause offense to sideline us. We feel we're not chosen for something. Or we feel like somebody else always gets the opportunity, but we never get that opportunity. Somebody else is always getting that blessing, and we never see that blessing like them. Somebody else has is, is always got a story to share, and it feels like maybe you're not one of the elite. Um, I felt like that. Um, I never forget one day I was driving to work. I had an hour-long commute one way to work when I was in Florida, and I was 
was driving, and I drive speed limit. I do. I do. The one time I didn't, um, it's a speed trap, and they got me here in Richmond. But but I drive. I do. I do six miles over, and I set my my cruise because I hate courts. I hate driving to school. I just I, I do. I hate that. Not those people. So anyway, I'm driving, and cars are just zooming by me. It's South Florida. I mean, they're all from New York, so they know nothing but fast. They do. I mean, they're just driving, man, 90 miles per hour. And I sat there and I said, Lord, I feel like this is how it is in ministry for me. Everybody else is going at the speed of light and I'm not doing anything. And the Lord, I felt late in my heart, he said, Kevin, you're going at the speed I've called you to go. And that gave a lot of clearance closure because it seemed like my other friends' churches were doing this and doing that. I felt like I was always left out on the outside looking in, seeing mountaintop experiences, and I'm sitting down with nothing happening. And we've got to guard ourselves when we are not chosen, when we're not the ones picked to do something and understand that God has timing, He has process, He has a plan, and we've got to walk into the seasons and timing that God has. Why not me, God? Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe you're not ready yet. Maybe you're not ready. You all know that your kids want to do things they're not ready for. And that's sometimes how it is with the work of God. You've got to realize something. God is sovereign. And if you're not chosen for something, maybe he has something better for you. And when I look back on my life, I applied to 50 churches when I was transitioning. You know how many called me back? Goose egg. Have all the education, had experience. I was like, God, what is wrong? Why is it that no one wants me? And God, the whole time, had this place picked out. He had you people in mind. He had me in mind here and had this area for me ready. And I had to choose to trust God that maybe I wasn't chosen before a purpose and a sovereign plan that God has. You need to sometimes thank God when you don't get that job. And thank God when that relationship does fall apart. And thank God whenever those people don't want you and don't want to be around you because he has something better for you planned when you're not chosen. Amen. And I don't know, but I believe, I personally believe Judas may have got offended because he was one of the ones that was never picked to be in the inner circle. Here's the third point this morning. Why could have Judas been possibly offended? The, the third thing is this. He was confronted. He was confronted. And that's in John 13, 26 through 30. John 13, 26 through 30. It says, Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread that I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas. I want you to picture this here. Son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. Or what you do, do quickly. Now, I remember from the King James. None of the, none of the others at the table knew exactly what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once going out into the night. Understand that Jesus knew exactly what Judas was doing behind the scenes. See, we don't fool God. 
You may, you may think just because nobody else sees you that you, you're getting one over. No, Jesus knew exactly what was going on. And in, their, in this inner circle at Passover, in this intimate of settings, the most intimate ever with Jesus the night before his betrayal, he looks at Judas and he says, to the one who, whom I dip the bread, that's the one that's going to do it. And the disciples were always aloof. What does he mean? I don't know. And so he dips it and he gives it to Judas and says, what you do, man, go ahead and do it. And Judas knew exactly, exactly what Jesus was talking about. Disciples didn't really know. But Jesus confronted Judas one-on-one, eyeball to eyeball, and said, if you're going to do it, Bubba, go do it. And Judas gets up from the table, storms out the door, and heads out. See, many of us are really good until we get to this point with Jesus or with leaders when we're confronted about an issue. We do real well until, you know, I mean, we, we, we picture Jesus as the guy riding the unicorn on the rainbow with pot of gold on the back of the unicorn. That's our Jesus, right? Holding the lamb at the same time, baby. Blowing the marshmallows out to people. That's Jesus. He's just the most loving thing ever. And he is full of love. But in his love, he, he, he confronted Judas. And in his love, he confronts us when he sees things that are detrimental and dangerous. Judas could have said, you know what? I'm not doing it. But the Bible says that Satan entered Judas's heart. That's the point. You get offended and you let the enemy begin to take hold of your heart. And he got upset, I believe. My opinion is because he was confronted. And you've got to realize that God loves you enough not to leave you the way that you are. He, won't, he sees you as the optimal you. And he loves you enough to bring you there to confront issues in your life and help you with that. Judas was offended and walked out. I heard this said one time, God will will offend your mind to reveal your heart. There's many times God will allow you to be offended to reveal what's really inside of your heart. And there's times he allows that. Uh, I'll never forget what, what one of my leaders told me. A good friend of mine, Brett Cooper, before I went to Emmanuel College, I was sitting with him. I said, man, I mean, you know me better than anybody. What, do you, what are three things you think that I told him before to, to, to come up with? This. What are three things you think that I really need to work on? That I need to deal with. And he went through a couple, and which are, you know, pretty good, like Jesus on unicorn with pots of gold and rainbows coming out, you know, spinning out marshmallows, that good stuff. You, we all love that, right? But he said this to me. He says, man, you know, you're very offensive sometimes. He says, and, it's, he says, and the stuff you say is good. And I, I wasn't preaching. This is just like, I, I was, this is 11, 12 years ago. He said, um... But just don't do this. He says, don't say this. And he said, don't say, I don't want to offend you, but. (laughs) It's like with all all due respect. And then you say something disrespectful to somebody. I would say, I don't want to offend you, but. And I would just offend the heck out of somebody. I mean, cut your ear off. You think I'm bad now? 11, 12 years ago, Lauren and Keith knew me then. I would cut your ear off and let Jesus heal it up like he did in the Gospels. (laughs) He encouraged me 
uh, to, to, to hear God encourage me to be sensitive when dealing with perspective from Scripture because I was really good at that. And he confronted me on that. And I've had leaders in my life that still come to me and say very hard things to me to help me. And it may sting. It may be a little ouch like alcohol uh, on the open wound, but it helps. Judas may have been offended because he was confronted. And here's the final point this morning. Point four is this in Matthew 26. Point four was he was a sellout. He was a sellout. Matthew 26, 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And that from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. The money wasn't the issue. It was something deeper in his heart, which I just believe it to be offense. He sold Jesus out. And guys, the scary thing about offense that really, really scares me about some of your walks in here is that you will sell somebody out and throw them under the bus the minute that they offend you. And it's scary. Because just like, just like Judas, you'll, you'll throw them out. You'll throw them under the bus. You'll end the relationship that quick when somebody hurts you in that way. And, and let me ask you this. The question you've got to ask, is it worth it to seek to destroy this other person? Is my reward, listen, worth the hurt that they're going to receive from my betrayal? Did you hear that? Is it really worth it? I mean, and I believe if you asked Judas, if we sat with Judas right now in a chair and said, was it really worth it to do that? He would say no. You know why? Because the, the guilt was so extreme that he went and killed himself. It's never worth it to do that, to sell somebody out for a cheap price. Because maybe they didn't live up to your expectations or they didn't meet everything that you thought that they should meet in your life. And when we give into offense, we're willing to sell people and ultimately sell God out. It comes down to revenge. I'm going to get mine because they've hurt me. And I believe that's what happened to Judas. He sold Jesus out because of that. I'm going to close here with the scripture. It says in Matthew 24:16. I'm excuse me, Acts 24:16. And this is Paul speaking. He says, "And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void, listen, of offense toward God and toward man." Paul said, I exercise myself to always have a conscience, that's what got to Judas, void of offense toward God and toward man. I, in this message today, I believe if we're going to get to the place where people aren't asking, well, where are they now? We've got to have that same call. God, I want to have a conscience void of offense toward God and man. And there's some people that are going to hurt you and you just got to love them and live at a distance. But that stuff doesn't matter. In your heart, what do you say about them when they're not around? What do you pray for them about? 
It's one of the things I've realized when I've overcome bitterness is when I can pray wholeheartedly for God's blessing on that person's life in a good way. Not vindictively, not, you know, that way, but praying that God would truly bless them. He would truly touch them. I had, a, I had an older man, Mr. Jesse Lindsay, who's going to be with the Lord, told me one time, we were in a, in, a, in a Sunday school class, and he said this. He said, it's your choice to get offended. No one makes you offended. No one can offend you. It's only your choice. And if we're going to end up on the good side of where are they now, then we've got to get to the place where we allow the Lord to bring healing to those hurt places where we've been offended in the past, we've been hurt in the past, we've not been chosen, our ideas weren't picked. Some of us are still that kid on the kickball team that was picked last. We're still living that out as adults. And everywhere we go, it's a mental subconscious flashback because you weren't picked for the kickball team or the softball team or the cheerleading squad. And any time you're not received, it goes back and boom, everything explodes. You're wondering, why do they respond that way? We're still living in that. And I believe God wants to heal us today because I want all of you to finish well in this church. I want to finish well. And it's got to be to a place where, number one, you ask God, cleanse me of unforgiveness. Show me the people that I'm still trying to sell out and get revenge on. God, please help me to forgive. And then secondly, you say, you know what? I'm going to have a Teflon spirit in a loving way. I'm not going to get offended and storm out and act angry and act like a three-year-old. But I'm going to live maturely for the Lord and take all the things that he has for me. As I was going through this message this week, I was praying God touch my heart that I don't live offended. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes in here. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, this message has touched every one of you differently because we've all experienced hurt in relationship and offense. And as you're sitting here this morning, I want you to just pause with your eyes closed and think about where is it that I've allowed my Judas moments to happen and I've drawn back from people I won't put the chips on the table anymore I won't put it all in because this happened in 1983 or this happened in 1995 or this happened to me in 2007 don't you think right now where are you at in your life And as you're thinking about that, I want the rest of you in here to also think about this. There's some of you today who walked in here and you don't know the healing power of Jesus. You've never personally received Jesus as your Savior. You don't know what it means to experience forgiveness. You don't know what it means to give unconditional forgiveness. And you're sitting here today saying, I don't know Jesus. I don't know this forgiveness. And I need to know Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, just simply lift up your hand. Say, I want to accept Jesus today. I'm not going to call you out or make fun of you. I'm not going to put you on spot. But just say, that right now, Lord, I'm calling to you. I need to be saved today. I need to know Jesus as my Savior. Is anybody in here says, that's me, Kevin. That's me, man. I came today just for that purpose and that reason. On the rest of you in here, as you're sitting there, and this is a mess, another message that brings oh me instead of amen to mine. As you're sitting there, I want you to think about right now, where were you offended at? Where were you hurt at? Does somebody need to be forgiven today? Do you need to ask the Lord to help you and give you courage in that? If that's the case and you say, Kevin, I need prayer because I have lived a life of offense. I've lived a life of hurt. And 
I need help today from the Lord to give me the strength to forgive those who wrong me and who've maligned me. And I need to release. I need to have a conscience void of offense toward God and man. I need prayer today, Kevin. That's you. Just lift your hand. Amen. Mine's, mine's lifted high too because I, I need the Lord to start going through this message just with things in my life. I want us to pray right now. Right where you're sitting, I want you just to begin to engage the Lord, connect with God. And let's pray together to ask God to do this for us. Father, help us to extend forgiveness to others, Lord. By knowing the power of what you've forgiven us of. Help us, Lord, to release people, to release churches, to release other groups, to release individuals that have maligned us. And Lord, we pray that we would not end up as Judas with a conscience guilt-ridden. But Lord, you promised to clean our consciences by the blood of Jesus. And so this morning we ask that God, we would leave here releasing and forgiving. Right now, if there's somebody that's in your mind that you need to release and forgive, I want you right now just say personally just say God I release so and so I forgive so and so and just right now just say that whoever that person is whatever that thing is if you feel like that you've been offended and you've been walking around offense a lot then just take time right now to say God help me to not be so offended help me to have a Teflon spirit Father I pray for all those today that raise their hands Lord God, I pray that you would help us to strive to be an Acts 24, 16 people. A conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Help us to be easy to forgive others, God. And Father, let us always be mindful of the beautiful grace that you've given us. The unconditional love that you've brought us. And God, we pray that you would give us the courage and the strength to finish well. That Lord, we would not be the one in three. But Lord, we would beat the odds. And we would finish well. We would avoid being on the spiritual show. God, where are they now? We pray for your strength. We pray for your mercy. And we pray for your power. It's in the awesome, powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. And everybody said, Amen. If you will.